Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco, and here are some of the California stories we're following. The storm hitting Southern California continued to wreak havoc as more mudslides and flooding ruined homes and forced evacuations. The city of Los Angeles is reporting 475 mudslides and 390 fallen trees. The death toll from the storm has climbed to nine, according to the L.A. Times. And officials are concerned that number could grow once the water recedes. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement used solitary confinement at its detention facilities 14,000 times between 2018 and 2023, according to a new report published this week. That includes one California immigrant detainee who was held at Otay Mesa Detention Center for 759 days. That's over two years. The report found the average solitary confinement lasted about a month. Here's Phil Torrey with Harvard Law School and co-author of the report. It's been really shocking to see how prevalent the use of solitary confinement has been, in particular with vulnerable populations uh, like folks with mental uh, mental illness. Solitary confinement uh, really should only be used as, a, as an absolute last resort. Fresno is the latest city in California to find itself on the receiving end of a bus full of asylum seekers. They were sent from Texas, victims of Governor Greg Abbott's immigration battle with the Biden administration. KVPR's Esther Quintanilla reports. 19 asylum seekers from Venezuela were sent on a bus from El Paso to Denver. From there, they were supposed to land in Imperial County, but somehow ended up in Fresno. What we are doing in the city of Fresno is somewhat of a triage. And that is to make sure that they have their health needs met, to make sure that they have food, some temporary shelter. That's Fresno Mayor Jerry Dyer. He says the city is hoping to help transport the group to their destinations. Meanwhile, local nonprofits are providing resources and legal assistance. Dyer said the issue is much larger than politics. What we're dealing with are the symptoms of a broken immigration system. Since 2022, the state of Texas has transported thousands of migrants to, quote, sanctuary cities in blue states. The state says it's to cope with the large number of people arriving at the southern border. But critics, including Governor Gavin Newsom, say it's a political game. For the California Report, I'm Esther Quintanilla in Fresno. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. COVID eviction protections have lapsed for renters in the city of Los Angeles. Now, city outreach workers are going door to door, hoping to catch renters before they're evicted. Reporter David Wagner from member station LAist says they're using new data to find those most in need of help. If you want a stressed out renter to answer the door, Nick Diaz says good knocking strategy is key. Knocking too hard can scare people. Instead, try a neighborly knock. And then they can come look at me in their little peephole in the window and see, like, I'm just a person here to chat, you know, not like a cop. Diaz works for L.A. City Council member Hugo Soto-Martinez. His job is to reach out to tenants at risk of eviction. In the past, the city had no idea who landlords were trying to evict. But about a year ago, the city council approved a unique requirement that landlords tell the housing department each time they try to kick someone out. This targeted approach where we're able to go door to door definitely helps us to find the people who need it the most and, and who may have otherwise slipped through the cracks. In one building, Diaz knocks on the door of Chela Pippen. She got a three-day notice to pay or move out after falling behind on rent. I've been in a state of anxiety for the past three months that's been overwhelming. The Koreatown tenant says her income declined after she was injured working for food delivery apps. Now she worries she may have to live in her car. I'm a single mom trying to make it work here, and it's, I feel like I'm drowning. Pippin says she's still waiting on the city to deliver the rent relief she applied for. Landlord advocates have said the new requirement gives renters an unfair advantage in eviction court. But the data has proven useful for outreach workers like Jeremy Tramer. At a large apartment complex in Encino, he dials randomly on an intercom, hoping to get inside. Hello. Hi, my name is Jeremy. I'm with the office of your L.A. City Council member, Nithi Raman, and I have some tenant rights information that I was hoping to drop off in the building. Would you be able to buzz me in? When Tramer gets to one woman's door, she tells him about the cockroach problem her landlord refuses to address. She was telling us about all her kids having bug bites. As we were talking to her, there was a cockroach on the wall. She pointed to a cockroach just on the wall, like two feet from me. Tramer explains her rights and how to complain to the housing department. The tenant declined to be recorded for this story. Tramer says her experience is all too common. It's discouraging that there's just cases like this and that you know, we're not going to get to everyone. Some people aren't home. Others are reluctant to open the door. LaBamba Jackson with the nonprofit Mayor's Fund for L.A. says the goal is to reassure tenants that they don't have to face an eviction alone. 
There are lawyers who can help and groups that can sign people up for public aid. Once the resident actually kind of realizes that, then they tend to open up. And then we have different tools that we can share with them that help them go through that process that kind of eases their mind. In Hollywood, Jackson and his team head out to buildings hit with multiple eviction notices. They arrive at the doorstep of Josephine Zarate. She says her family got a notice for being a few days late on rent. We were just super nervous and worried because, you know, we have two pets, two babies, and us, and we're just like, we don't know where to go if, you know, we get kicked out or something. Zarate says before moving to L.A. from Tennessee, they never had financial trouble. Now their rent is almost $600 more. She's worried about the future, but feels a little better after meeting these strangers at her door. At first it was a little intimidating, but, um, you know, after they started talking about what they do, it just made me feel a little, like, relief, like, oh, there is help for tenants. Zarate says her family is all paid up, for now, but with money still tight, she's relieved to learn where to turn for help. For The California Report, I'm David Wagner in Los Angeles. That's the California Report for Wednesday, February 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy works to create a cleaner, healthier, more secure world for all, on the web at theschmidt.org. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 